Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Thorn Files podcast. When last we met, our intrepid investigators had gone to Temple Studios to find an old contact of Tabitha's family. Uh, he was dead, uh, but his son Charlie was alive, and so Tabitha has been talking to Charlie about his father's um, old work and how he was connected to uh, her own father, Oscar, and the job of smuggling potentially magical items into the country. Uh, a few other things had happened. Vera had been roped into doing some uh, audio work in the studios uh, when, because of one of the uh, in-house audio technicians, um, had left because of some strange occurrence that had happened a few nights previous where a saxophonist uh, had gone missing leaving a bloody trail behind him and Peter had gone out to talk with talk with this audio technician uh, and he'd also met a, a local homeless man who lived in sort of around the area of Temple Studios and it had been revealed that quite a lot of other homeless people had also gone missing recently uh, Peter had yeah, made sure this man had a cup of coffee, uh, a cup of tea, and had left him uh, in a nearby alleyway only for the man to suddenly disappear. Um, this all happening sort of a crescendo from when Peter has been getting a funny feeling that something has been watching him from uh, firstly a mirror and then from a puddle where the man disappeared and then from a window nearby. Evangeline has also been doing investigations into the books belonging to the man that had worked with Tabitha's father, finding that the item that they are looking for, the one that is currently being hunted by the creature Bale, did get brought into the UK, but that there isn't any uh, log of where it ended up. But it was transported into the UK by David Temple. And that's where we left off. We had Peter in the foyer has just rung the fire alarm to try and get everybody's attention. It's a large sort of handled fire alarm. As you sort of twist it and turn it, turn it, turn it, uh, the fire alarm starts to ring out uh, across through the entire building. Uh, so before we get there, we're going to rewind a little bit uh, to Tabitha and Evangeline. You were in the office with Charlie and going through some of the books. And is there anything you do now that you're here? I think she's going to say this moment. And it's kind of like the, um, she's in a book, Tabitha's doing her thing. And she'll just throw it out across the room towards Tabitha. Um, just kind of just say to her, my dear, I can't help but notice that this is extremely close to home with you. I would be really remiss if I did not check in to check that you are all right, my dear. Is um, Charlie still with us? Charlie's still with you, yeah. So he, yeah. as you go, he was talking to you as Evangeline was going through these notes. And mm. uh, you're talking about your fathers and sort of connecting over not really knowing too much about your parents. Um, Charlie having a worse relationship with his father than you had with yours. But... Equally, there's secrets there that neither of mm. you knew. And Charlie is still there. He is happy for you to talk with Angeline. He sort of goes through some of his drawers as you <clears throat> did that on his desk. He did have a uh, photo album of photos. He's given you one of those and he sort of closes it and puts it back in his desk afterwards. 
Um, I say, I'm fine, thank you, Evangeline. There's no need for you to worry. Good. As long as there's no need for me to worry. Uh, and she'll just kind of like bring up the record that she was umming and airing over, um, which kind of is the trips that she's kind of isolated on the records that relate to the movement of um, the item, the item that seems to be being hunted for by everybody. And she's like, oh, I don't know if you know much about your father's dealings enough to know this. And she'll just say, I can't seem to see where this has gone. I just look her dead in the eyes and I say, I was 13 when he died. I wasn't really into business. She was, she was aiming that at Charlie as he was. <laughs> Sorry. Um, uh, you know, there's, a, there's there's quite a few things there that I um, I assume went to places my dad didn't have a didn't have a log of. Uh, I mean, if if it needs to look over towards Tabitha, if it probably ended up with your family, if it didn't end up with with mine, uh, even things that my dad had in storage, um, they tend to be something here about them. Uh, sorry, I'm really sorry to hear that. How did your parents die? You don't mind me asking. You can ask Charlie, but I don't like to speak about it. Sorry. Oh, that's sorry. I understand. Uh, sorry. No. Um, but uh, yeah, if there's if there's anything else I can I can do for you while you're here, just um, let me know. I'm uh, I'll be around, and obviously, feel free to come back anytime if you are uh, if you need to rush off or anything. Do I know that if Annabelle took most of the stuff from my parents' home, or uh, you would know that Annabelle didn't really get. When your house was bombed, and it was mm. a, 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 amongst many, and in, mm. in your neighbourhood, uh, you were collected by Annabelle, um, but she you never knew that she actually brought anything back up from London. She that okay. went there to get you, and yeah. didn't go to the house. Um, okay. uh, Look, I am. Um, I probably should get on. There's quite a few other things to um to get on with today. But uh, if if you want to, I mean, you can stay in in my office if you like to. But if it's um, I would just like to speak with Evangeline privately, if that's okay, Charlie. This seems like a... right. Yes. Um. Of course. Yes. Uh, he goes to his uh, desk and just sort of. You hear like a little click of a lock, and he goes, "All right, yeah, of course." And he goes out of the office again. Um, Evangeline. Um, yes, my dear. This this demon. I think that he was the one who killed my parents in London and um, perhaps my father did have what he was looking for. 
He was trying to get it then. Oh, my dear. I am so sorry. Well, thank you. But I only tell you for the context of the investigation. I don't need any pity. Do you think that the demon managed to procure it from your father? Or do you think he was foiled and to put it as delicately as possible, we may have to dig up those events further to find out what happened. I think, I don't know, I don't know. I think that I will, I think about it all the time. I, I look back at my memories of that night and I just, I just don't know. I don't know anything. No, but you will, you are his daughter. You would have been the most precious thing to him in all the world. And he would have done anything to keep you safe. At least, that's how I always thought I would have been as a mother. I'm you wouldn't sure. know anything if you were my child. Well, I'm not a child anymore. I'm ready to find out. Anything I can do to help you with that journey? Thank you. And I, I mean that. Thank you. At this point, uh, the door to the office opens and Charlie uh, sort of sticks his head back and says, are you, are you both all right in here? Do you want, do you want anything or are you, are you okay? I think we, we probably want to find our colleagues. Yeah, of course. Um, no, no, yeah, no, uh, please, please, uh, let's go, let's go find them. And as you step up uh, to head towards the door uh, the fire alarm goes off and you can hear it ringing through the building and Charlie panics and closes the door with you all in the office him as well I don't think this is proper fire protocol no Vera you are in the recording studio studio number one with mm -hmm. um you are currently with i'll just get my my list of npcs that are in this room at the moment in the actual recording booth you have don rivers who is um playing piano and singing beautifully you have uh big joe jackson is also in there as well um uh you have a drummer yeah i don't think you maybe had it you know his name's Felix at this point, Felix, uh, the drummer. And you also have yeah. nearby um, Michael Shepard's assistant, uh, Jen McKnight, is nearby as well. And things are going well. Uh, you you got over the initial sort of uh, difficulty of, you know, uh, 
fixing your thinking of different sort of audio things that you've worked with in the past and uh the recording is going really well and i mean it's one of these moments where you are getting to hear music being created by people who are really good at creating music as well uh you hear them uh, fixing chord progressions and talking about lyrics and it's a process that is very fulfilling and it's really just great to see people who are really good at something work together to create something um how is vera doing Ooh, uh i think that on the outside she has a, a veneer of being very well put together and, and professional and everything is fine and she's on top of everything in the inside she is um uh, a, just a buzz with um all sorts of different emotions um definitely a lot of fear that mm -hmm. something's going to go wrong and she won't know how to fix it but i think every minute that goes by and it's sort of working um i think that's just starting to abate just in terms of um or in in favor of just pure sort of excitement and um, I think she's not too far away from being on cloud nine at this moment. Or cloud eight. Cloud eight now. <laughs> yeah, she's at cloud eight. Um, Jen leans over at one point sort of in the midst of uh, of this creation going on in front of you and just says, um, I'm I was gonna pop the bathroom. You okay here just for a minute? Um, yes, absolutely. Okay. I'll get your details when I come back and we can sort out some sort of pay for the day. Um and she said, it's sort of patching says, you're doing a really good job, by the way. Um, Thank you. And she leaves the room and sort of quietly closes the door behind her. Um, in the midst of them making the music in the other room, a conversation does eventually come up uh, where they start talking about um, Eddie, the saxophonist who has gone missing. And you get the impression that... Um, just by listening to them that don and don specifically doesn't really believe the story that eddie's gone on a bender at all um he talks about how eddie has you know he used to be a bit of a wild guy but now he's really sorted himself out and he hasn't really been like that in years so for him to disappear for a couple of days without any sort of notice is really out of the character for him and Joe agrees with Dom, but, you know, it's sort of more focused on getting the work done. And Felix really doesn't mind. You sort of get the impression Felix might be a bit tipsy on himself um, when he's, as he's drumming. You know, he's still a bit, bit of a wild uh, person out hired. Um, but then uh, this sort of escalates to the point where Don wants to keep talking about where Eddie is and wants to find out where Eddie is. And Joe doesn't want to, he wants to just keep going with the work to the point where Don stops and says look i um sorry mr bright we're gonna have to cut there for a second i don't i don't understand what you think's happened here eddie was recording and then he he just left i mean i don't know we don't even have the last recording he did so we can't even use that we have to get him back don't we and joe, joe says well look you know um we can we can sort of probably figure out there's plenty of saxophones who want to play with you and i says, oh, i don't want any saxophone i want eddie all right I've played with him for for years he's played my first album uh i don't like the idea he's just gone missing and he says i'm gonna have to talk to craig um there's got to be some some of that recording that he did that night and 
Don uh, gets up and comes out the door and says, um, uh, sorry, Miss Bright, we're going to have to stop there for a second. I need to go see Craig. If he's in the area, I just need to double check. Um, there weren't any yes, other of reels of tape when you came in, were there? Um, well, when I came in and I started getting set up, there, there were a few bits and pieces that I had to move around. I can check the tapes that we have. I can listen to them and see. It's a, a saxophone. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was um, uh, there was a couple of bits and pieces, but Craig often just lets them run, so there's probably quite a lot of it on there. But we just, uh, as far as I'm aware, I haven't I hasn't been here. But if you if you haven't seen anything, I haven't seen anything. But it might be worth keeping an eye out for. And I'm going to see if we can find Craig. Well, while you step out, I'll I'll have a look. Okay, thank you. Um, and he heads out to he starts going towards the door. Um, and what to Felix and Joe start to mess around with uh, Joe on bass and Felix on drums. And as Don opens the door, the fire alarm goes. Um, very immediately sort of um, snaps to attention. Um, this is m maybe not the exact noise, but she immediately knows where the like nearest um, exit in the building is just from having walked through it and would um, open the door from the booth up into the studio and say, everybody out, if All you right. please follow me. And so Joe and Felix have a bit of a moment like, oh, okay, okay, Miss Bright, all right. Um, they, but they follow you dutifully um, and you are, so you lead them out down the corridor towards the foyer where you find Peter and Craig and you also see Andrea's there. You see that uh, Michael Shepard comes into the room as well from other studio, a couple of other people you don't necessarily recognize straight away. Uh, there's a few people in this part of the building just now. Um, but as all this is going on, Tabitha and Evangeline, you're in a room with Charlie and he's just slammed the door and keeping you all in the office. You don't understand. It doesn't make me understand. It's going to panic. It's going to think something's going on. Um, it, it's what? It's nothing we just have to um and he sort of goes around the room and you see that he was standing behind by the window before and he closes the curtains in the window and there are a couple of um pictures or like sparse sparsely decorated in this room but there are a few picture frames and he slams like the picture frames down um if you want to do mm. uh, investigation checks uh not investigation yeah. not doing D, &D uh investigate a uh, mystery <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> What's he doing? Um, I get a plus one if I'm investigating demons. Ooh, I I would give you a plus one for this, but that's because this is uh, there's you'll find out. <laughs> I'm not doing badly. Um, okay, um, seven with the plus one. Sharp. No. Okay. Yeah, so. That was a six. <laughs> Wonderful. Okay. So. <laughs> um, <laughs> nah. uh, so on a seven, Tabitha, you have a hold for one of the questions. Oh. Um, uh, what? I don't know. I know. I know it must be. Um. What sort of creature is it? 
I mean, I am, Tabitha is suspicious by nature, and obviously Charlie's been in possession of a lot of spooky items. We know that. So this is, I would imagine, like covering reflective surfaces is a very classic suspect behaviour as well. So I would certainly not think he's having a mental break. I would think that, you know, there is some kind of um, supernatural force here. So I'd like to to know to uh, wreck my memory banks as to um you can tell by looking at what charlie's doing that this is a creature that obviously whatever charlie is talking about this thing can either communicate or can find a way to its victims through reflective surfaces um there are you know there's there's stories and folklore that go back for a lot about mirrors and reflective surfaces in the past it's not clear exactly the origin of this creature you can't figure that out just by seeing what he's doing but you can tell that he is being played by something that is clearly coming through reflective surfaces and that's where he's desperately trying to cover things up at the moment um and you'll see he sort of runs over to his desk I and unlocks it will help him cover up reflective surfaces i want to um show him we understand so just, just just as many as you can as quickly as you can um and he sort of unlocks his desk and sort of pulls a, a drawer uh out and evangeline you got a six uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, cool. Um, you you see Charlie pull from his desk uh, what looks at first to be just like a piece of glass. Uh, it's like a so sort of jagged piece of glass. He sort of pulls from his desk and he puts it on the desk surface and he sort of shouts, "Step back! Get back! Don't!" But you're a curious person, Evangeline. Of course, it's so you have service. a look. Um, I would like and to look in the mirror. It is a piece of mirrored glass that you see, a piece of a mirror, and you look into it, and you can just see the office reflecting back to you. But then, as you're staring at it, you catch your own reflection in the glass, and for a minute. You think you see yourself smile when you know you're not smiling. And as you do, you also notice this thing, whatever it is, has caught a glimpse of you. And its eyes widen. And it says, sort of in your own voice, in the back of your head. So beautiful. Aren't you beautiful? And then you look a bit, you start to step back. Charlie at that point says, get back, get back. And he sort of looks into the mirror and he says, he sort of says quietly to himself, but you know, he's, you you get the impression he's probably heard his own voice in the back of his head speaking as well. And this is how he is trying to communicate without not speaking loudly. You know, he doesn't need to speak loudly. You know, this, he has communicated with this thing before. And he says, it's it's the, it's the a fire alarm. It's probably just uh, something's 
gone wrong um there's there's no problem don't uh don't panic everything's fine you're fine and um just it's it's fine don't worry about it and you see him stare at it react and say no no i said everything's okay like you don't have to what do you what do you mean I'm I'm the only one you've been what are you talking about and as you watch the shard of mirror glass sort of bursts outwards sort of flowering out and through the glass a hand reaches out grabs onto Charlie onto the sort of the cuff of his uh, shirt and yanks him into the glass shard. Can I rush and try and pull yeah, him? Absolutely. Give me a protect someone. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be a hot use a better dice than a D6. Can I can I help out please? Yes, please do. <laughs> um and I'm going to use for the very first time um Ooh. something we have I believe. Um I'm going to use Power of Hearts because we're fighting this monster. Yeah, fighting monster. Um, which means uh, automatically you get a 10. So you get a plus one automatically because we're helping okay. against a monster. Tabitha, what did you get in that roll then? Um, six. Then. <laughs> oh, no, with a with the plus one. I have a minus one to tell. Oh, no. <laughs> so I've got the skinniest arms. <laughs> okay, uh, so... What happens, Tabitha? You reach Charlie just as this hand reaches out and grabs onto him. And you see that it's sort of pulling him forward towards it. And you can see that where the glass shard was before, it's still there around the around where this hole in the glass is, where the hand has come through. There is still glass there, but you can see into and past the arm. And there is just darkness beyond it you there's not the table it is something some other place beyond where this glass is underneath it and as he is grabbed and pulled forward towards it you grab onto him try to pull him back and what happens is um i need you now yes. uh because this has happened i'm going to give you a uh, a negative one on this roll um okay. <laughs> <laughs> you have to uh, roll Plus cool for me. Okay. And it's 2d6, right? Not, not like yeah, more than D6, that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I rolled three. All right. Okay. <laughs> so what happens? And Evangeline, you see all of this happen as you try to sort of use your magic and get Tabitha and Charlie away from this. The From the side of the arm another hand sprouts from the skin oh, no. pulls out and then another one and another one all wrapping around charlie and as they wrap around charlie they also wrap around tabitha Angeline. and both tabitha and charlie in a moment are pulled into the glass in that moment i'm just going to put my hand on the other hand and let it and go with tabitha all right if You're i gonna go with yeah no, but I'm, it, it's one of those like yep Seeing the darkness and darkness is yeah, I yeah, I'm going to go with Tabitha. Okay. 
you are pulled forward towards the glass and as you are you feel a sensation of as you reach the glass itself these impossibly strong arms all different all looking at some of them look like men's arms and female some have nail polish some don't they grab onto your clothes tug you forward and you disappear into the glass shard on the table you feel cold wash over you you feel darkness wash over you as the light in the room vanishes and then thud Errolon, constellation of ten mysterious floating islands that hang in the stratosphere, each a unique treasure trove of different cultures, factions, and environments. Here, high above and obscured from the forgotten realms below, magic courses through the very air you breathe. In these lands, bravery forges destinies, and a legendary journey is about to begin. As the mysteries of this strange land are being unraveled, a malevolent power seeks to shroud this wondrous realm in eternal darkness. But where there is darkness, there will always be those who rise to meet it. Brave souls will have to confront horrors that defy imagination and unravel secrets that question the very essence of magic itself. In the face of adversity, would-be heroes must find the strength in each other and the bonds they forge with the people of Erolon. For it's the power of unity, resolve, and courage that will carry them forward through the skies. Embark on a destined journey aboard a skyship to discover verdant forests, sun-blasted deserts, winter tundras, bustling cities, mountains, and depths. This is Erolon, and it's here that our journey begins. It's Danny here, your resident keeper. Just here to let you know how happy we are that you are listening. We broke a thousand downloads recently. It was absolutely brilliant. Um, but you know, the fact that we have listeners at all and people that are showing their love for the podcast just it means the world to to me and to everyone else who's involved. If you're enjoying the podcast, why don't you give us a review and a rating and, um, you know, share us with people. We'd love to get out to uh, a wider audience just so people could hear the twisted tales we tell. If you'd also like to get involved a bit more with the podcast, we are going to be starting our first Q&A um, special episode before Christmas and we are going to be looking out for uh, any questions that people have so if you can find us on our Instagram, on our Twitter, on our threads, on any social medias, you can send your questions in to us and uh, we will get around to as many questions as we can. 
Now, without any further ado, let's get back to the mystery. You land on the ground. You are in a heap with Charlie. All, th all three of you that have land together on the ground. You all take two harm. I would scrabble up very quickly. Um, it's very, very dark in this space. Can um, neither of you have any ability to see in the dark at the moment, but you um, can make out... It's not it's not pitch black in here. The reason why it's not pitch black in here is you can see that there are strange eerie lights that right light up this space. Non sort of dim lighting from different parts in it, but so you can make up the space generally. You are in what looks like a tunnel. And all about you there are holes that lead tunnels off in every direction, above you, below you, in every direction. You sort of have landed in a fairly solid place right here but nearby there's a hole that leads directly downwards and in every direction and you can make out this sort of general space here because there is light being sort of reflected in from every tunnel there are what look like windows sort of fogged windows that let in a little light but not so much that you can see clearly and as you look, you can see that these windows, are, the light behind them is also sort of undulating. It's not a solid white light. It is just sort of a shadow will move in front of it for a moment. So the light will go and then it will come back. And some of them are warped and the shape doesn't make sense. And some of them are very obvious, like a rectangular shape. So it is a really oddly mixed set of um, lights that you have sort of lighting up the space around you. And Charlie... So scrabbles to his feet. You see, he's sort of badly uh, hurt as well, and he says, "I don't, I don't understand. I, I don't understand." He sort of looks around. And says, oh no! Oh no! Uh, what was that thing, Charlie? I'm, I'm so sorry. This is, I didn't mean for any of this to happen. This is. The um, the mirror, the mirror you saw. I didn't. I didn't sell it. I I have it. It's when we moved into the into the studios. This thing wasn't here. It wasn't around. And we started going through all of the items. And oh god, uh, if we're where I think we are, then this is not a good place. This thing it took Maggie it took my wife it and and I um it told me that if I didn't keep bringing people to it that it would that it would just it would devour her and then make its own choices about what it would eat um and i and i was scared and i'm so sorry this is not what i wanted for for any of this i just wanted to be rid of this place and i'll and as he's talking 
you start to hear the sounds of sort of shuffling footsteps from a couple of the tunnels nearby. And he sort of looks around. Can I try and peer into the dim? Yeah, absolutely. Can I have um, investigate? Mystery. Let me read a bad situation. Oh, yeah, sorry. Read a bad situation would make more sense here, wouldn't it? Do you wish to see, my dear? I can illuminate this location. No, no, no. You, you don't, don't, don't. Charlie sort of says, don't. If you... I wouldn't. Um, nine. Nine, wonderful. <laughs> um, from one of the tunnels, it's sort of it's a level one, not one above or below. Uh, so somebody, you see a, a silhouette of a figure, sort of moving slowly through the tunnel towards you, and they're just walking normally, but they're walking with a sort of like a really tired, as if somebody has been sleep deprivation, serious sleep deprivation, sort of shuffling along, and they are, they stumble and then they sort of pull themselves back up slowly, and they move a bit closer to where you are, and they stumble and they fall over, and then they sort of just sit, and they just rest their head backwards. And Charlie says, "We need to go. This is not a, this is not a safe place. We need to find some." Who's that, Charlie? I, I don't, I don't know. Um, we can't stay here though, because if it's, if it's, it likes to make people, uh, bring people in here, but it doesn't like to do what it wants to do while people are able to fight back. So people stay here and they become. I don't know what, but last time I saw Maggie, she seemed very docile. She seemed very away with it. And I think... I think As it, he's carrying on talking, I just go to help this. Yeah. This. You go over and you find a... Mad at Charlie. A man with a sort of very bedraggled looking man with a sort of long, dark hair that uh, looks like they sort of tried to keep it neat, but all the time have lost the will to keep it neat um and they sort of look up to you with like sort of a glassy expression on their face and you see their skin is very gray and they just look very very weak and they just look up at you and say hello hello um come on let's let's get you out of here oh uh Thank, thank you. Are you, uh, yeah. are you the police? No. Oh, probably need the police. Yeah, this is not a good place. Well, let's find a telephone. Can I please have Tabitha and Evangeline? Can you both please make a roll? Now you get to choose. Probably not. Okay. You get to choose what this roll is. You get to choose either sharp, cool, or weird. Hey, perfect. Oh, 11. I have to go for the weirds as well. Yeah, I chose weird, but it's half relevant. 
with netted nine. Uh, nine. Okay, so you. It's it's sort of it feels like a trick of the light as Evangeline you watch Tabitha go towards this figure. There's a moment where just everything just seems to become a bit foggy as you're watching her. It's like as the light reflects in different ways, it sort of changes. It's catching different surfaces. You feel yourself come become a little bit dizzy. You have to sort of steady yourself. Um, and the presence within this place has started to affect you. Um, so, but because you're order nine, you resist the powers for a while and the aware that something is happening to you. Um, you take a plus one forward for any role to do with investigating the area or fighting the creature. Um, Tabitha, as you're talking to this yes. man, you get the same feeling, but you're able to shake it off. You're cross and you are trying cross. to deal with this man. So you don't want to have to deal with this. Um, I well. felt so bad for Charlie. And here he was <laughs> feeding this mirror. Feeding mirrors. Um, you resist the numbing powers of the tunnels uh, and you are able to keep your senses. You get a plus one ongoing to finding, uh, to investigating. Um, and you also get a plus one ongoing to anything involved with fighting whatever this creature is. So just remember that. Excellent, I will. Cool. Um, speaking of, I would like to investigate around us to see I've walked through spaces before. Mm -hmm. um, I would like to see okay. um, how we got here. Yeah, okay. Um, Give me we'll see if I can make a workout plan of like what's happening here, how it moves, etc. That's better. Okay. What'd you get? I get plus one ongoing as well, don't I? From that, I got a ten. No, you no, you just get a plus one forward. I think it's so forward, so you only got only on the one roll. Perfect. Okay. Um, so you look back to where you came, you sort of go back a bit further down the tunnel. Mm -hmm. Um the way you have just walked out and you see that in the ceiling where you were there were it looks like it's like the lights that are around you can see these windows that seem to have let some light into the space and it looks like there was one above you but now that it is split and gone it's just you see the sort of the remnants of the sort of strange sinewy fleshy material that makes up the other windows as sort of being split at this point so whatever that whatever brought you in that way you won't be able to go back that way so i have questions but i hold two where did it go you as you stand in this tunnel and you're see tabitha a bit further off with her uh, helping man you see charlie sort of between both of you you look down the other direction this tunnel goes and you hear the sounds of many feet and many hands you hear scraping and kicking and thudding and the sort of low whispering growl of something moving further down the tunnel and for a moment, you think you catch the glimpse of something shooting from one tunnel to another across 
where you're looking. Um, you don't get a perfect look at it, but it looks, for all intents purposes, sort of spider-like as it's moving through these tunnels. You don't get a good look at it, though. Should cause a head to one side. Curiously. Um, and is there anything being concealed here? Or what is being concealed here as she takes in the space? You can see um, what's being concealed here. Um, the windows that you look at. Um, I'll give you the, the, big, the best thing you can get here. You just can see that there are other shapes moving in some of these tunnels, like other figures. Um, but the main thing you notice is that the windows that you see, you can tell that they are um, the other side of reflective surfaces. Uh, and the ones which are warped and strange looking, you can tell that, that they're warped and strange looking because they are the inside side of a 3D shape that has reflective surfaces. Um, so you start being able to make out with that, that there are, um, you can sort of make out one that looks like it could be potentially the shape of a saxophone, but the sort of looking from the inside out of it. So this weird twisted shape that sort of moves a little bit. Um, and you can see that there are people on the other side of that as well. You can also notice that slowly there are more and more of these forming as well. So there are more and more windows that this thing can get access to. Yes, lovely. And my free question is, what magic was done here? I'm trying to ascertain what magic drew, how it drew us through into its world. It can, it is a very, whatever this thing is, a very magical space. This is a whole other layer, essentially, that is not within your world at all. Um, and it was able to create doors that it can pull things through. Now, some of things which come through the doors may get hurt as they're being transported through. Um, you know, you've got hurt doing this. And if something is a particularly strange shape, it may get hurt more as it gets pulled through. Um, but there is an element of things being able to be pulled through and be alive on the other side if, uh, if the thing wants them to be. Um, so the power this thing has, it's able to pull things through reflections and get it into its world so it can let things become numb and docile before it does whatever it wants. And as you can't take all of that, she's going to turn to, to Charlie and to say, Mr. Temple, I am curious to understand why you do not wish for this place to be illuminated. Well, you haven't seen its face. I get the impression that light is something that it enjoys and can track things by. And he sort of points towards some of the some of the uh, windows that you can see coming in, and you can see that occasionally one will brighten up. And when it brightens, you can see that a bit clearer into it. You can see figures moving around in that space a bit more clearly, almost to the point where it looks more like a like a, like a proper window. You feel like you might be able to reach through yourself. But when it's dimmer, when a place is darker, the figures are barely not, barely visible at all. And 
I couldn't help but notice that you seemed alarmed. It's that it would be alarmed. Um, what was going on there? I just... It told me that if I was to try and do anything to uh, to stop it, um, do anything against it, that it would um, take that personally and take it out on Maggie and take it out on anybody it could get its hands on. And what does it think you've done? I don't think it understands what a fire alarm is. I think it might have just thought that that was... A, a, a battle cry, a horn or something to panic it. I just thought a loud noise it hasn't enjoyed them in the past so I just thought it would it would affect it again. It hasn't enjoyed loud noises. Or it gets angry. And yes, it finds itself in a place where sound is recorded at many levels. I'm not saying it's a suitable place for it to live but it's found its way here that we need to didn't ask you yes didn't ask you to take it away from here no i i don't i don't understand how it works when you're acting like it's a normal thing to have happened i i i this thing appeared and it took my wife and then it just i don't think it understands anything that's going on outside i think it just it just wanted to to eat things and it told me that it needed me to help it she, she smiles and she's like it needed you well not anymore apparently no um, I I don't know why it's brought me in here I I I don't want I don't want it to have to anybody, but I, I just I don't know why I'm I'm supposed to be I don't understand. I don't understand at all.